0: Last week, uh, during our Witnessing God at Work in the World section of the service, we talked a little bit about the liturgical seasons and how um, Advent begins the year right after Christ the King when we talk about Jesus' uh, lordship and his reigning over all. We then move to waiting for this vulnerable little baby, and so we get this Drastic clash between the humanity of Christ and the divinity of Christ all at the same time. And as we enter into Advent, we remember themes like Israel waiting for the Messiah, how we all have this deep need for the Messiah. And we spend time in reflection and in waiting. Our Advent candles um, symbolize time progressing as we move along. I encourage you if you don't have any kind of advent wreath at home or some sort of advent calendar or marker to get one or make one. Um, there's a lot of great uh, craft ideas out there for those of you who are crafty for making one. Um, I probably need to make a new one this year so if you find a great idea, please let me know. Uh, mine's about 20 years old and it's starting to show. Uh, but it's a great way to mark the time at home as well. Uh, we also do things like reflecting on spiritual practices. What are those things that that help us to get closer to God and closer to one another? Um, generosity is sort of the one that gets the most uh, the most light this time of year. As every single organization you've ever given anything to is calling you and asking you for your Christmas donation. Um, but generosity is a deep, an important part of Advent, but also prayer and fasting and meditation and a whole host of different things. So in part of our observation of Advent this year and celebrating it together as we wait for the explosion that is Christmas at the end of the month, uh, one of the things that we're gonna be doing is sending out a daily email. Uh, some of you already got the, the newsletter uh, announcement and have signed up for it. If you haven't yet, there's a few ways you can do it you'll find some of these in the back. I don't think they're in the bulletins, but you can pick one up in the back and you can either sign up yourself or pass these out to friends and family who might be interested in celebrating Advent along with you. And each of these emails is going to include daily scripture to read either um, yourself or as a family, as a group. It will include um, a brief reflection, It will also include some then reflection or discussion questions. So if you like to write, you can use these questions as writing prompts. If you have folks at home you wanna talk with, you can use these as discussion questions. If you just wanna sit and soak in the scripture, you can use them as a reflection point. And then it'll also have an idea, like a creative idea or an action step or something to help you celebrate Advent. So uh, I think the first one is just the very obvious one that I just said. Um, If you don't have an Advent wreath, consider getting one or making one. And there may be links to different um, family craft projects or different ways that you can get involved in the community or other ways to celebrate Advent. If you are interested in getting those, you can email me You can come talk to me. If you don't email, we will make sure we print you one. We're just trying to be good stewards of um, trees and the cost of paper. So if you do have email, we would prefer to send it that way. But if you don't, we can print them out for you. Just let me know that you would like to get them that way. Um, And if you're really fancy, you'll see there's a little QR code here that you can scan with your phone and it'll take you straight to the sign-up page for it. So um, those are the different ways you can get involved in that. If you would like to write one of the reflections, It doesn't have to be long one or two paragraphs is all of what does this passage mean to you or how does this um speak about advent let me know i will happily hand one of those to you and let you write that and get it to me and i'll put it in for you if you have any great creative advent ideas or traditions that you love in your household or you saw on pinterest and thought oh my goodness that looks great please let me know i'm collecting those ideas as well this is certainly a community effort and a way that we can celebrate together so let me know if you have any questions about it or you would like to contribute to it and please feel free to take as many of these as you want we can make more and pass them out it's not just for this church but for anyone who's interested this could be a great tool for outreach to family or friends or neighbors as well who maybe don't come to church or don't come to church often or um don't know what Advent is, this is a great way to learn. So with that, let us prepare to go forth into the world, into Advent, and let us listen for God's word in this place.
1: Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we may hear your word with joy. Amen. Our first scripture reading today is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 64, verses 1 through 9. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood, and the fire causes water to boil to make your name known to your adversaries and that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From old no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. You meet him who joyfully works righteousness, those who remember you in your ways. Behold, you were angry, and we sinned. In our sins we have been a long time, and shall we be saved? We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, And our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. There is no one who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us, and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not iniquity forever. Behold, please look, we are your people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The gospel reading today is from Mark chapter 13, verses 24 through 37. But in those days after the tribulation... The sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be fallen from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then we will see the son of man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, we learn its lessons. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near, at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. For you do not know when the master of the house will come home, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks
0: be to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Rend the heavens, boil the water, the sun will go dark, the stars will fall, make the nations quake before you, and we're a mess, but please don't be angry, God interesting pair of passages to read while we're waiting for a little baby king to bring peace on earth. Why do we read this sort of intense scripture as we're preparing our hearts for the joy of Christmas? I think it's helpful here if we back up a few steps. We're going to press the pause button on Isaiah 64 for a few moments and come back to it. A couple of years ago, I picked up a book by Phyllis Tickle. She is a popular Christian author, and this particular book is a book of essays, and it's called What the Heart Already Knows. This is a collection of essays and stories about Advent, Christmas, and Epiphany, which are three seasons that tend to get conflated but are distinct in the Christian calendar. I really enjoy her books. I encourage you to look into some of them at some point. In fact, One of the uh, creative ideas or action steps for Advent soon is to look into um, Praying the Hours with Phyllis Tickle. It's um, a book of prayer that has scripture and prayer for each day of the year. Now in the prologue to her book, What the Heart Already Knows, Tickle says this. The four Sundays, which precede Christmas day itself, are the calendar by which we mark the passing of the Advent season and the approach of the Christmas one. These have traditionally been times of retreat and introspection for Christians, to consider with godly fear and joy the blending of our life into the divine process. In the Church's scheme of things, Christmas, as such, begins and Advent ends with the birth of our Lord. The Feast of the Nativity is usually celebrated by most Christians, of course, on Christmas Eve and at the midnight service. The 12 days of Christmas come to an end on January 6th, and the season of Epiphany begins. But Epiphany not only ends Christmas, it also fulfills it by celebrating the revelation of the Christ to the whole world. The coming of the incarnate God to all people, especially to those of us who are by race Gentiles, is the bridge from birth to life, the event that makes Easter possible for most of us. The light of the epiphany illuminates the human race from whom the kings came. Holy seasons, like holy days, were not so much invented by the church as they were invented by life itself. I think. By common consent, we hold to and preserve that which living has shown us contains the truths of both humankind and God. I love that. The holy seasons were not so much created by the church, but by life. They're part of the rhythm by which the world and life move. And for that reason, Advent is too holy to give it up. My friends, Christmas is too holy for us to give up the sacred bookends of Advent and Epiphany. Advent is not just the beginning of the church year or the lead-up to the main event. It is a holy and a sacred time of reflection, of anticipation, of hope. It is a time to regain that childlike excitement that says, Christmas is coming! Now, If you go to the index or the concordance in the back of your Bible, you are very unlikely to find the words Advent or Epiphany or even Christmas. Some of us might think to turn to Luke 2 for the Christmas story, and perhaps you can even hear Linus from a Charlie Brown Christmas reciting the passage as you think of it. But figuring out where to look for Advent is a little more complicated. If Christmas is the celebration of Jesus' birth and Advent is the time of reflection and waiting leading up to Christmas, where do we turn in the Bible for Advent? We will tackle Epiphany in January after Christmas. Advent's not really connected to a story, or is it? It's not really connected to one specific story in quite the way that Christmas or Easter are, not in quite the way we generally think of stories. But it definitely has a narrative it's connected to the whole story of the bible there are many many stories in scripture but the bible is not just a collection of short stories and poetry it tells a larger story that runs from the beginning of time to the end of time and that's why we have passages from the old and the new testament each week in the lectionary to remind us that We need to explore the whole Bible and how it connects. I saw a really funny comic strip a while back. It was the Bible for those who decided the Bible was too long to read. (laughs) And it went like this. Genesis. God says, all right, you two, don't do the one thing. Other than that, have fun. And Adam and Eve say, okay. And Satan says, you should do the thing. And Adam and Eve say, okay. And God says, what happened? And Adam and Eve say, we did the thing. And God says, guys. The rest of the Old Testament. God says, you are my people and you should not do the things. And the people say, we won't do the things. And God says, good. And the people say, we did the things. (laughs) And God says, guys. (laughs) And it continues into the Gospels with God sending Jesus to love the people and live with them, even though they keep doing the things. And by the things, the comic is referring generally to sin. And the people accuse Jesus of doing the things. And of course, Jesus didn't do the things, but they kill him anyway. And even after Jesus is raised from the dead and comes to dwell in each of us, we keep doing the things. And he keeps loving us in spite of that. Not only do I find this comic to be extremely funny, I think it's a great example of highlighting that overall story of the Bible, a story of sin and redemption. We keep doing the things. We can't help it. And we know that we did the things. We know that we need God. The Israelites knew they were a wreck, and that they were in a terrible mess, and that they needed God. They knew they needed a Messiah, a Savior, to rescue them from exile and slavery, from war and oppression. Jesus knew the people he was talking to in the Gospel of Mark were a wreck, and that they needed a Messiah. And that's the part of the story we look into in Advent. That's where we go in Scripture. We look at the story of waiting for the Messiah— we look at the story of we did the things. That's why Isaiah is such a popular book of the Bible this time of the year. That's why Isaiah is so prominent in the lectionary passages this time of the year. Isaiah is certainly not popular because of how easy it is to understand. Isaiah by itself is very difficult to process. But when you read it in light of the story, remembering the situation of the people of Israel when Isaiah is writing, It starts to fall into place. And its place, for much of the book anyway, in Christian tradition, is Advent. The people need God to come down. The end of the Old Testament is full of angst and longing and waiting for the Messiah that God promises. And the beginning of the New Testament picks up there. From our perspective, thousands of years later, it's easy to say that the Messiah came. End of story. We're saved. But friends, we're still a mess. We're still doing the things. And Advent connects both to the ancient story of Israel and Jesus' arrival and to the very modern story of each of our hearts. We're still waiting for the fullness of redemption. We are redeemed because Jesus Christ came to us long ago in time and space, but we are also still waiting for Jesus to come again because, and this is where that comic ends, Until he comes again, we will keep submitting ourselves to Satan's suggestion that we do the things. There's a real urgency to this passage in Isaiah. As when fire sets blaze to twigs to boil water. Fire is powerful and urgent. In Isaiah's description here, the very sky is torn in half with the suddenness and the power of God coming down. It strikes me as strange that Isaiah doesn't just stop by saying, as when a fire sets blaze to twigs. That seems like a complete description of what's happening, but then there's this pot of water over the twigs. It's not just an unkempt forest fire. The fire has a distinct and a clear purpose to boil that water. I'm sure most of you have heard the old saying, a watched pot never boils which is a silly idiom because a watch pot does boil, it's just that it seems to take forever. It's like when you're really hungry and the three minutes you set on the microwave to reheat the leftovers feels like it's taking hours. This fire strikes quickly in Isaiah 64, but it still has to boil the water, and boiling water takes time. Now, scientifically speaking, it is possible to make water boil instantly, There's a Mythbusters episode in which they explore this idea. If you've never seen Mythbusters, you have no idea what you're missing and you need to get on that. It is science at both both its most exciting and its silliest. The problem is, if you instantly boil water, it causes an explosion. You have to let it boil naturally or you don't wind up with any water in the pot or cup at all. Even more interestingly, The thing that makes water boil is that most water has imperfections in it. Perfectly distilled water in a controlled environment won't boil, it will just superheat and get really, really hot. And then as soon as you drop impurities into it like a sugar cube, it immediately boils and can no longer be contained by the cup it was in. We can look at Advent as the time in which the water is boiling. The fire Isaiah prayed for has come but the water is still boiling. And think about boiling water. It looks like it's just sitting there in the pot, but it's not really just sitting there in the pot. It's moving, it's active. The molecules of the water start to get excited. They start vibrating around and bumping into each other and just sort of generally going wild. It's the motion that ultimately causes the bubbles and the change of the water from liquid to gas. The water doesn't boil itself. It's the heat from the fire that boils the water, but the motion of the molecules is important for the transformation that takes place. Phyllis Tickle ends the prologue to the book that I quoted earlier with this. We live in a culture still too new to yet have defined itself, and under a government so young that my own lifetime has spanned a quarter of its history. In such times and circumstances, I have found in the heritage of the church a transcendent purpose and connectedness for my own part of creation. When we see ourselves not as the whole pot of water, but as the molecules of water that are rattling around in the pot, heating up, waiting to boil, shaking with excitement of knowing that the boiling is coming, we can't help but bump into the other molecules. We're connected to them somehow. They are all waiting too. We experience the boiling together. Advent is a time of reflection, both for individuals and for community. It's a time to be purposeful about spending time reading the Bible and exploring devotional books and praying with and for one another. Let it be a time to consider the whole story, to pray Isaiah's words as if they were our own. And As we're going about our shopping and our decorating and preparation for Christmas, Let's remember that preparation for Christmas is exactly what those things are. Christmas isn't decorating. It's not shopping. It's not baking. It's so much more than that. As we prepare our homes and our offices and our church and our schools for Christmas, let's remember that it is most important to be preparing our hearts for that great day as well. Let every external preparation have with it an internal meditation or prayer or reflection on God's great love, revealed to us in Jesus Christ and daily renewed in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.